धीम त धीम त कीट 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 हाय वेलकम टू स्पीकिंग ऑफ इंडियन आर्ट्स होस्टेड बाय नवात्मन In this podcast we curate voices, thoughts and experiences from artists and patrons all over the world into an ongoing dialogue that elevates our collective consciousness about the Indian classical arts. My name is Anjali and I'll be your host for this conversation. 177 events last year alone. More than 4000 audience members across 15 different countries. regular features in top tier publications like the new yorker the new york times the hindu and coverage in a broad range of global media from the financial times to the assam tribune over 160 students in the school with 19 dedicated teachers and deep dive workshops conducted by artists in the us the uk far east and india 25,000 social media subscribers and 2 million online video views and counting. These are a few of the numbers that describe the Navatman Arts Collective today. How did it all start? With the values and conviction of just two artists and visionaries. In this episode, we explore the story of this groundbreaking and singular organization by sitting down with the founders themselves. I am Sahasra Sambhumurthy. Everybody calls me Sahi. Some people don't know we are the same person. So, Sahi Sahasra, me. I'm co-founder of Navathan alongside Shridhar Shanmugam. I am from the US. I grew up mostly in Jersey, born in Pennsylvania, and then have been living the last 15 to 20 years in New York City or the New York City area now in Jersey City. I trained by Ramya Ramnarayan and I've been trained by Prashant Chan Katak, Bijoni Satpati of Nirtyagram in Odissi, and a little bit of Kuchipudi with Kishore Musalikan. But obviously mentorship with Sri there as well is a big one. All of these, I think, are big shaping influences of my dance. I'm Sri Darshan Mukam, co-founder of Atman. Learned Bharatanatyam as a kid. Born in Bangalore, moved to Chennai. passionate about arts um, you know did my mba in hospital management worked for a couple of multinational hospitals but uh, dancing uh, was my like you know sort of my blood and uh, i did uh, work with chandraleka the groundbreaking dancer choreographer from chennai and i was the only male dancer with her for about 22 years and traveled around the world performing all major festivals interacted with uh, top modern and uh, classical dance artists from around the world and uh, here i am with navatma we'll delve into sahi and trider's personal stories in another conversation but it's clear that they shared at least one thing in common during their formative years an undeniable and irresistible passion for classical indian dance i did applied math at columbia and then dance dreaming is the same story like i couldn't not dance so then right after college i started dancing and creating you know when you flow with the arts the arts takes you where you have to go and this pure love for classical indian arts is what brought sahi and tridhar together 
and became an eternal spring of inspiration for their ongoing artistic and business partnership. At many points when Sahi used to say, I, I, ha, I want to do this or I've done this, I would say, even I've done this, even I'd like to do that. So I think we matched in many places as artists and dancer. And that was very important because I interacted with Hazilian dancers who always wanted, uh, what can I do to become this? But they were not interested in the art form. And that was what uh, I was so impressed when we met at the Starbucks upstairs on 32nd Street. During our conversation, Sahi and Sridhar revealed that the spirit of Navathman was not entirely new, nor did it just dawn upon them. In the early 2000s, artists and patrons in New York City were beginning to challenge the classical Indian arts' place in the city and started making big bets on the classical Indian arts by pushing boundaries and creating space for performances at a larger scale than had ever been done in New York or anywhere else in the U.S. While each one of these early triumphs and failures was deeply personal for artists and organizers like Sridhar, collectively they fired up demand for classical Indian arts in the U.S. and shaped the context for Navathman to be born. For me, it started with a, I had like a thought, like Navathman should have these three branches, dance company, school, and um, something else, like something similar to what we have now, but not quite. For the reason of, I wanted Indian performing arts to have a much larger place, Indian classical performing arts especially, to have a much larger place in people's hearts overall. Whether that was knowledgeability about it, whether that was representation, and then passing on what I think it has the potential to bring to people. I didn't know how that was going to work or which way it was going to happen, but it started with the seed caused by the fact that I didn't have opportunities at that point in time and I wanted to do this. It was this combination of wanting to do something much greater for the art form, but then also providing opportunities to people who weren't getting them, even if they were passionately involved in this. And then I think Shreeders was really about, and you know, Shreeders, you can correct me if I'm wrong, placing the art form, he always says placing the art form on the world's pedestal and really boosting the art form itself so that everybody could benefit from it because there's so many benefits to having arts in your life that are just so intangible to humanity overall as a group and then your personal well-being. I think both of us identified that and wanted to do something with it. He had already started a center and to me there was like a there was a center for this, production center for this uh, in mind as well and somehow we combined there in the center. Yeah, the reason uh, I started the art center in New York it was in 97 and the first time we put uh, music festival in Carnegie Hall, you know, music festival of India in Carnegie Hall. We invited about this, uh, like these about 50 big artists. We presented them in Carnegie Hall. It was a big success. But at the end of it, if you look at it, nobody knew much. They, they knew about Pandit Ravi Shankar. They knew about uh, uh, Ustad so-and-so, you know, um, Tabla, Mastro, and all the names were there, but they did not know the classical art forms of our country. And we were mostly we were addressed as Oriental dancers from in, from the East. And I, along with Janaki Patrick, Kamala Caesar, and we all started voicing about like you know we are not. This is not Oriental dancing. It's about classical dance form. 
that's how I said, like, if you have a center, if you have a voice, then you should be able to present it stronger. Then I interacted with Jonathan Hollander, who was mainly working on battery dance. It was not about India, it's about all dance forms from ethnic, various ethnicities. Then nobody had a, what is the word I would use, is like passion to say that we are coming from a lineage of masters and masters and our art form is very ancient and ethnic. They didn't, they just sort of looked at the exoticity of the whole thing and the, you know, the beauty of the art form, but did not go into the depth of what the art form was. So then I started this organization called Arch. Arch was again an arch to build, the, it's like a building bridge between the East and the West. It was very popular, we went around doing lots of work, we worked with Philip Balloon, we worked with uh, Philip Glass, we worked with uh, Martha Graham School of Dance, we were part of this whole uh, uh, Tina Kroll's um, Horses Mouth and we were presented everywhere. It was beautiful when I did uh, this beautiful idea of presenting Dance Festival of India came in and I contacted this uh, sponsor and everything was set and we had the program and we brought in five major dance companies from India. Kalakshetra for uh, Bharatanatyam, Kathak Kendra from Delhi for uh, Kathak and then Odyssey was Temple of Fine Arts from Malaysia. Then we had Kalari Paitu from uh, Kerala, Mohini Atam, Kalamandalam. So we had all these forms, it was like great. Artistically, the program was a grand success. Financially, boom explode because there was not a single penny the sponsor walked out and that was the year when the market collapsed if you remember the there was a crash in the market my this my sponsor disappeared i had to pay the you know i raised fifteen thousand nine hundred and ten dollars from the festival where my expenses was like two hundred and some thousand and you know then that night i told i told rupa and vishnu like they were all part of it my wife and my son and I said, like, you know, I'm not going to face the world. And tonight I'm just walking into the Hudson. That was my point. Dead. 2000, September 20th, 2010. This was my point. Then I said bye to Rajika. And, you know, I don't know if you know Dr. Manjula Bansal. I don't know, Sahi, if you know the story. This is the first time you're hearing, I suppose. And then Manjula Bansal drove to me and she said, I want to talk to you. Said, Keep talking to me. Both, I mean, I can never forget these two people in my life because right through the night they spoke to me, talking to me about, you know, success, failure, this, arts, what are you doing? You're a dancer, you're an artist, and you kept going through changing my mind from walking into the Hudson to walking back home. This was what it was. And then I said, forget it, no more arts. Then I had to send, you know, I had an attorney. Um, referred by Rajika Puri, I sent a letter to, you know, some of the artists. I sent this attorney letter, the thing was a failure, so whenever there is money, we will take care of it, and that's it. And I decided never to work. But has Kalakshetra ever performed in New York City before? No. Exactly. The, some of these artists, Temple of Fine Arts, that was the first major performance they had here. And after that, they had multiple performances at City Center. So the the big thing is like, these opportunities are created from that festival that you had created. And the crazy part to me is that $200,000 a sponsor walks out, what do you do with that? And for Shruder to take the brunt of the blame of that over the sponsor, rather it fell on the, the person putting their passion into it, it just kind of blows my mind. So alongside of Arch, I had another organization called Anamika. 
Hanamika was nameless and which we wanted to have a sort of an annual festival like the Chennai Festival uh, of Arts in New York, which I was working on bringing in organizations like, you know, the FIAs and AIAs and, uh, you know, these other AIALIs and all of them together so that we can have this festival regularly. And once this happened, I just like froze. I said, no, I'm not going to do anything in arts. No more arts. And I went and joined Westchester Medical Center because I had a degree, you know, like I had this uh, MBA. So I moved to Westchester Medical Center. They took me. I started earning my monthly whatever. Then Rajika calls me and says, you should meet the Sahasra. I said, no, these young kids are snobbish and I'm not going to contact them. No, no way. I don't want to lose again. And then she said, no, whatever it is, go talk to this brilliant girl, Sahasra Samba Murthy. You should just have a chat with her. It was, uh, then I spoke to, started talking to her and you, you see the sci-fi movies when, you know, when you talk, there's something like dead plonk and suddenly one current passes through and there is a moment. That's how my life started coming up. Oh, this, oh, awesome. Yay, yay, yay. Then finally, bang, Anamika Navatman, we plan to bring both together. We called it Anamika Navatman initially. Uh, that's how we were named, like, you know, when we collaborated together. Yeah, I can give you the technical version of it. Anamika is a for-profit organization. Navatman is a non-profit. So we put it together thinking we would be one of those, like, fancy new for-profit, non-profit uh, execution spaces where one branch could make money and feed it into the nonprofit to make it more stable. Because in my head, the nonprofit world doesn't serve right now in the arts. It's, something is funky about this business model. It's under-resourced, overstretched, and then the nonprofit arts world is just like hanging by a thread. So first solution was this. And then eventually it just kind of merged. We, we both had these separate organizations. We merged together. Okay, and then you became Navatman. How did you land on that name? What does Navatman mean? The name Navatman, which Shrita can add to, has three different meanings. It's Navatman, so new soul. It's Navatman, so it has like, you can also interpret it as the nine aspects of the soul, nine prasas. Navatman is also a name for Lord Nataraja. And also in the Sri Vidya Upasaka, Navatman has got the sort of, you know, the nine energies of the Devi, which is like, you know, she she that forms the a major crux for the Sri Yantra and it's called the energy of, uh, you know, the Devis, the powerful goddesses. So so what made Navatman an organization in its first uh, iteration? Like what exactly did this newly formed entity do? My vision and I think Sridhar's vision were slightly different when we first started. Having said that, somehow it worked out. We learn more how to get on the same page, I think, a little bit later, but I was like, production house production company is how we're going to make our funds. And he was thinking about the space a little bit more. And so I'll, I'll tell you how kind of that merged, which is we set up a fundraiser at Drome, uh, which is still exists. I think it's on 6th Street and Avenue A in the Lower East Side. It's very well known. It's gone through multiple owners and it's very well known for live music. So we did like this fundraiser thing, which didn't really work out. It was my first event being like enthusiastic young business owner, being like tons of money is gonna come from this event. It's so obvious, how could it not? It didn't work out that way. Then after that, Sridhar got a space. He was like very focused on helping us find a space. We found a space between 38th, um, between 8th and 9th Avenue. I was doing a lot of the day-to-day -day execution work of uh, Navakman while Sridhar would 
make the connections and kind of get the the things that he had experience and he would kind of transfer to us. You know, at some level, I was like, all right, trust in Shida. He's going to get this through. And he did. He got us the space. He got us funds for the space. And then he was like, construct it this way so you can make best resources available to you with this kind of thing. Use this person to help us figure out all these construction things at a cheaper level. This is how you need to put together the space. And then suddenly, within like a month, the whole space had come together as a theater. I don't know how. If you give Shreeder $500, it will look like suddenly like it's a theater that's thousands of dollars with light rigs and this, that, and the other thing. So he had put together the space and somehow also coordinated a Gundecha Brothers concert. And I actually didn't know who Gundecha Brothers was at that point in time, but we had 110 people fill that. It was like overcrowded for that first concert. And Gundecha Brothers are incredibly, incredibly popular um, and, and well-known and very well-respected Rupa singers in the Hindustani classical tradition. So it was my first also introduction to Hindustani classical music. I didn't know what I didn't know at that point in time. And that started us off as sort of a production house. And from there, once sort of Sridhar had shown me a little bit of how this can work, we started productions, like I think 20 to 30 productions our first year alone, sitar concerts, anatomy of a concert, like putting all together these ideas that we had in our head. Maya was the first person who we introduced Maya Chada in New York, like reviving her to dance. And from there, she, she now choreographs so many amazing artists in the area, as well as like, there's just a lot of history there. And then Prince of Dance, I remember that's where I met Prashant for the first time, and I really saw Katak for the first time. And my mind was blown. Can you imagine? I had access to so much stuff in New Jersey in terms of Bharatanatyam. Had never seen Odissi, Katak. Kalari Payette Sridhar had to introduce me to. He found an artist, Pradhaman Nayak, I remember. After I saw Prashant, I was like, must learn Katak. And now Prashant is head of the Katak department at Navatman, 12 years later. How old are we? What year is it? Yeah, I think it's 12. Yeah. 12 years later. And as Navatman carved out a literal, protected and safe space for the classical Indian arts in the heart of bustling Manhattan, it became a platform for artists to import, showcase and share their art from India and other parts of the diaspora. In this way, Navatman also created space for appreciation and understanding in the hearts of U.S.-based audiences. Within the past two decades, the number of classical Indian artists touring in the U.S. grew tenfold. All, I, I would say like most of the artists, not all, came up from the sort of sparks of these uh, organizations. Sridhar has brought together all of those artists. These are not artists I would have known about, nothing without Sridhar. I would call Sridhar and be like, ah, who do we bring in next? What should we do? And he'd be like, this person, this person, this person, this person, how about this? And then I would take it and I would say, okay, maybe we can present it like this, like Prince of Dance, let's do an all male series or something like that. So that's how we kind of came together. But the, the connections and the artists 
and everybody and bringing them together all shridhar but it all worked out so well because my business model was like it'll happen sahi had this minute sense of how to present how to work on contracts legalities it was very interesting though we had discussion she put everything into action and that was very crucially important if i had met sahi before 2008 I'm positive that the dance festival of India and Carnegie Hall would have been a thumping success. So it sounds like internally this was the right moment, right place, right combination of talent and you, you know, came together so seamlessly. What about externally? How were you received? What did Navatman mean for the arts community and arts industry in the bigger scheme of things? When I started working with this young girl Sahasra Sabamurthy, people used to come and say she's a you know why do you work with us you know what are you doing with her she doesn't even know anything about arts i said she's the future of the next generation is the future of arts what's the use of being with you know gundeja brothers and shridhar and chandraleka and maya kulkarni and ramya ramnarayan when we we die and the art form is gone and that's how today the whole indian art form is crossroads because nobody had that sort of a passion to put indian arts form on the world pedestal but it was all about them so and so was for tabla so and so for was for dance and balasaraswati said after me there is no bharatanatyam why this is an ever flowing form which everybody should uh, be part of it mhm so previously there was no real structured way of preserving like classical indian dance and i suppose um ensuring long term sustainability for the art forms there is no young blood is the word i would use because see i'm like 59 now next year i'm 60 and i'm like maybe in the next 10 years i'm gone or 2 years is my time or 5 years is i'm gone what happens to the art form which i you know tagged along so long i should give it to pass it on to somebody and say hey hey i can die peacefully saying that yes i know that my mission is handled by sahasra and hopefully sahasra will have uh, get the next person coming in and that person it's an ever flowing ganga perennial ganga of arts which should keep flowing generations to generations to generation instead of saying oh i did this i complete like it's me and after me there is no is can that ever happen in the art form no i love that ever flowing ganga and so it sounds like navatman's place in all of this is to activate that passion for the arts and then um shelter it and nurture it so that that river keeps flowing freely and incessantly navatman is really i think at the end of the day about two things one is setting us all up so that we're always growing and learning more and becoming more as artists whether we're 40 50 60 20 18 10 and also that we're passing that down like if you notice anything about this business it is set up completely in that way and a lot of that i think again also is just i think maybe some sheer luck that we've had that we met each other and shreeder had the openness to be like Yes, Sahi is going to make a lot of mistakes as a young person leading helping lead an organization, but she needs to make those mistakes and I'm here to guide her through them versus trying to do everything himself. A correction correction there. I did not guide her. We were discussing about all this and she found that this was right. I didn't say that do this or do that. No. I said 
we can do this way. Then there would be a dialogue between, can we do this way? Can we do that? Way? What happens if this goes wrong? What happens if this comes right? And let's try it out. We tried. Many times we slipped, but then we stood together because that was important. He, he always says young people have to take on the art form and take it forward. In 10 years or 20 years, when we leave this planet, whenever that happens, are they going to remember our names? No. It's not about our names. It's about what we were able to leave behind for other people to carry on. But it's a beautiful journey for me. Like, you know, my passion from childhood, working with all these artists, all these great souls who have shared so much with me. Like, it's not about the purity of dance that this is what it is. This is what, no, no, no. It's much, much, much beyond the, you know, the, I would use the word like the sensual juices which goes all through and you're keeping yourself alive and active and when you're very comfortable and you're very big you forget those you know the tingles of your life and the, you know all those things are so beautiful have we ever experienced it no we have not but when you experience that whole flow you know it's it's so beautiful and where is it who's experiencing it and where do you get that? Not from established artists who's already trying to put you down by saying, yo, your rhythm is not correct. You have to dress this way. You have to do this this way. This is what the tradition is teaching you. No, explore things new. Explore things interesting. See what can be added. Tradition gives you so much of sort of um, improvisations which you can do within this art form. It's such a vast ocean. And I see when new things are put into it, but using the same tradition. New values are coming in with still the foundation as strong as that. It's so beautiful. And where does it come from? Not from established artists. It comes from the young generation who are throwing themselves out and doing this and, you know, getting into a train and watching things. And this is what it is. Were you uh, trying to grow the number of artists you featured, the diversity of talent that you brought to the stage? Was it the audience reach? And was the growth strategy uh, intentional on your part? I personally had one major goal, and my major goal was I want to fill theaters. When we do productions, I want to feel like that every seat is full. And I also want to feel like there are new people coming into the space. I want to stop it feeling so closed off. And in the classical arts, from an economic perspective, lower income individuals cannot enter the space because of preconceived notions, because of lack of accessibility, so on and so forth. People outside a specific, not just caste, but also it, there's a caste, then there's Indians, then there's like non-Indians, and we tend to close that circle off as well. Then there's South Indians versus North Indians and that communication point. And so for me, I wanted to burst all of that and just be able to get to the core of the art, what, what that brings all of us. The second part of that was that I was over the, like, I was done with begging for funds. I am not a big fan of, I've said it many times, grants. I think grants are put too much pressure on nonprofit organizations to execute with too little funding. And that's an issue on a governmental level, not even on the grant giving level. Arts organizers and arts grant funders all know how much these things cost. It's just there's not enough money. I was tired of trying to cobble together freelancing wages, which I don't think is a viable thing at all. So I wanted to create stability for artists so that we could create. And then I was also tired of not having opportunities. 
So I wanted to create a place where we had opportunities. These, these three things have been power, paramount in my mind from the start. So everything that we create, it comes with this larger picture in mind. Business model is created to create stability for our dancers to grow as artists and also be able to practice and perform and teach, do what we need to do to get some kind of stable income, which is better than the 20K most freelancers barely cobble together a year. So this is stability at some sense. When Trilair and I came up with Drive East, I was like, oh, if we do it like this, like New York City has all these weeks. It has fashion week and the flamenco week and da 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 da. When that week is created, the New York City mind goes, okay, this thing is going on that's really cool. I might not be part of it, but this is what part of what makes this cultural landscape of New York City really awesome. So there was like a larger picture at hand for making Drivies part of that cultural landscape, even if it was serving a particular niche group of people. Now we're at a point where the growth is very much towards the goal of global recognition. First, it started with New York City, then it became the U.S. And now, interestingly enough, we are in a global space, which is super, super cool. Super cool. As Navatman expands its global reach and impact, it's also emerging as a leading example for other arts organizations that are vying for sustainable growth. The best part is the emails. Of, so tell me how you did that. <laughs> After we do something every time, hey, great job. Can you just tell me how that happened when you made it happen? And I'm like, okay, sure, yeah. Once we figure it out, we can tell you. So let's dive into this a little more because Novakman is often among the first, uh, if not the first, arts organizations to do certain things. And as you put your new ideas into practice, they quickly become the blueprint for other organizations to follow. Take, for example, the method of teaching the arts within Navatman School. Uh, it's unique because it's not only about conveying the mechanics of the art form to the student. It's also about um, using the art as a medium to develop the student holistically. If you look at it, it's also about custom tailoring to a student. Like a, a student could would not be like, you know, if you put the regular pattern of teaching to them, it may reach them or it may go over their head. But then how do you bring it to them and make them get involved and learn better? It's one of the things which we are working on. And uh, some of the factor with the children is like, you know, how, how to keep them engaged and involved. Now there are lots of people following it. Earlier it was not there. When I was learning dance as a young child, it should be this, 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 this. And if you're not doing well, you're punished. You do 108 jumps and then that is what it is. And come back after practicing. And it, half the kids are gone. They don't want to come back to arts. They take up something else and they're gone. But now when you're working with them and you're giving them creative ideas and how they can, they have the sense of, you know, little shlokas here and there. And they're just involving and getting like, you know, to love the art form. So this is something which this innovation and teaching has come. And this was part of the Guru Sishya Parampara earlier. At that point, they were all these great grand masters who tailored things to your required. They had innovative plans to teach you what you had to learn. They had this fantastic uh, sense of who you were when you, when you went to them. Every nerve and senses of your body is alert. And that's what you're supposed to be in arts. And this same idea of holistic, immersive learning and development 
reminds me of how you even run the business side of the Navathman operation. I think the major difference in this is that when you approach a business model like this, you recognize and understand that someone is spending 80 hours of their life per week thinking about this, brewing about this. And this idea that we have to separate business from our life does not exist at Navathman. And so that guides sort of everything, right? There's this idea that it's like a, basically a village of people who are constructing things together. The teachers are passing something on to the kids, understanding who they are and giving them what they need. The managers are passing on what they need to to the people who are joining, who are new, so they can also grow as productive members of whatever it is. Every interaction with Novatman is built so that whoever is having that interaction walks away saying, I grew from this. And that applies for students, teachers, freelancers, employees, managers. And that's why I think, again, this this double sort of co-founder relationship between Sridhar and I is so important. And that's why I use the word guide a lot, because maybe to him, it's not guiding. But to me, I'm getting passed down something. And that should never end. That my growth should also never end, even though, quote unquote, we are the CEOs of the organization. The spirit and values of Navathman are magnified in what is perhaps the most high-profile, most complex, and most ambitious project that Navathman is putting forward, a multi-year theater and film production of the Mahabharata, a massive ancient Indian epic that, in Sahi and Sridhar's view, is not a relic of the past, but is a living, breathing story that is playing out in our lives every day. The way that it's written is unbelievably powerful in terms of a lens on society, societal implications, in terms of character, humanity in Mahabharata is very realistic. On even first read, it's hard to see that because the language is different, the customs are different, that when it was written is different, so you have to peel some of that back. And so when we realized that, that this text held so much within it, it has now become one of the most important things Navatman is doing, I think. Also, it is ap- uh, Mahabharata is adaptable to any time frame. And even the political scenario, what was there those days, is adaptable to what's happening today. And all the differences have been there in those days, it's even happening today. And it's going to happen even after 100 years or even after a million years. It's going to be on and on and on. Yuge, yuge going on and on and on. It's a fascinating rendition of work that if you just give it a little bit more thought on how, instead of thinking of it as an esoteric book with beautiful poetry that has some applicable scenarios that can be kind of transmuted to us and really seeing it through the lens of this is us now, it changes everything. It's a book that's meant to be changed. I think in the same way the constitution is meant to like you wrote into the constitution, we're supposed to change it. So you can't just stay with preserving it forever. It has to be ever changing. Or to Sridhar's point, an art form has to continue to grow. Why cannot the Mahabharata also continue to grow with our voices? So then looking forward, what in an ideal world is your sort of vision or dream for Navathman? Like in the perfect world, what will Navathman look like and feel like? Whom will it serve and what would it 
stand for? Huh, I have I have this big theme, like, you know. <laughs> it should be like an artist village in New York. People come and people go. There's interaction. All the young kids buzz in and buzz out. The like art becomes the curriculum of uh, you know their life. All inhibitions taken out, and how art sizzles in that whole complex. If we could do four major things, uh, one, building in Manhattan with that energy space, the energy is just important as the thing. Two, that we get arts education or an arts to everybody, not just people who can afford it, not just people who have access to it. And that to us, Indian arts is, is just, an, it's arts, right? Something, something about this art form is so communicative when it's done in the right spirit in so many levels. And then I think three is the passing on of the culture. Like it doesn't stop. Just because it started with Shruder and me that it just keeps growing and expanding beyond us for the good, I think, of not just New York, not just Indians, but humanity overall. Like, and, and four, can we change the valuation? How do we change the valuation for me of how we think of arts as being either something where you can't make money or it's unstable or this, that, or the other thing, just from that business perspective, a modeling perspective, switch how people give, receive, think that what they're capable of, change our mindsets as artists of what we are capable of doing and do more together. Yeah. Well, I know from your tenacity that Navapan will definitely get to that place and answer those big questions. I have no doubt from your perspective, what, what does it take to, to at least move down the road towards this vision and towards answering those big questions? So like Shreeder and I can only do so much together, but the fact that the staff, the other artists who work with Navatman, who really love Navatman, feel so passionate about the fact that this vision can happen and want to give time, effort, energy into driving it forward, that investment is, is all it takes, that's it. You get enough of us involved in this and it, we can change the world. Navatman is a performing arts organization that empowers individuals to nurture their personal evolution through interactions with the Indian classical arts, and that creates a home for the Indian classical performing arts in New York City. If you like what you heard today and want to learn more or get involved, please visit us at navatman.org and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Navathman runs entirely on support from the community, so we invite you to donate to Navathman and sustain the Indian classical arts into the future. Adina.